welcome to this episode of Public Service Psychology Now, where we keep you updated on some of the things that are happening in Division 18. I'm Jen Snyder, the president of Division 18, and I'm joined by Tiffany Fennell, the president-elect. As some of you may know, 2021 is the 75th anniversary of Division 18. As part of recognizing that, we've been interviewing past presidents of the division to talk about what was going on in the division, as well as what they've been doing since then. Today, we're talking with Robert Kearns, who was president from 2003 to 2004. Dr. Kearns worked at the VA Connecticut Healthcare System for 38 years, during which time he was chief of psychology from 1987 to 2008. He founded the Pain Research, Informatics, Multimorbidities, and Education, or PRIME, Center of Innovation, and served as its director, as well as serving as the VA National Program Director for Pain, pain Management. He retired from the VA in 2016, although he still consults as a research investigator and currently is a professor of psychiatry, neurology, and psychology at Yale University School of Medicine, where he co-directs the Pain Management Collaboratory Coordinating Center, a collaboration between the National Institutes of Health, the Department of Defense, and the VA. In addition to being involved in Division 18, he has been president of Division 38, the Society for Health Psychology, and is a fellow of APA. He's also a member of Division 22 and Division 56. In 2014, he was awarded a presidential citation from APA for his groundbreaking work in pain management and his remarkable leadership in psychology. So welcome. Thank you so much for me. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Kearns. It's so great to, um, it's so impressive, um, your background and your contributions in the world of psychology and in pain and also in APA and look forward to hearing more about um, your specific contributions to Division 18. But first, tell us about what you've been doing since your presidential term. Well, first of all, thank you both um, for your leadership in, in Division 18 and for this opportunity to speak with you today and to our community of members of the Division of public service psychology. Um, I've been quite busy uh, since being involved very actively as a as, um, member of the community of leaders in the division in the 1990s and then early 2000s. Um, subsequent to my um, role as president and past president of this division, I became very actively, more actively involved, I would say, in the Society for Health Psychology, formerly or also known as the Division of Health Psychology, uh, because of its uh, core interest to me as an academic and clinician, educator, and so forth. That's really the focus of my work. I really had a long uh, period of time of service within that uh, division or the society as well. And in fact, I continue to serve. I'm currently uh, chair of the search committee for the journal Health Psychology uh, for their editor-in-chief. Um, within APA, I continue to be very actively engaged around issues related to pain management in particular, and am a, a player in an APA-led initiative around pain management that has multiple kind of prongs, but is primarily focused now on efforts to uh, support the development of a psychology workforce 
in the area of pain and pain management, primarily now targeting continuing education initiatives, uh, but ultimately, I hope, um, initiatives that will extend to the uh, graduate level or even undergraduate um, early education efforts um, to really bring pain and pain management to the attention of people, the public more generally, and certainly uh, members within the psychology community. Uh, much more broadly, given the pain has become my kind of passion uh, for my work, I'm very involved in a lot of national leadership roles. Um, where I've really drawn on my experience and leadership roles in the Department of Veterans Affairs, the VA, um, as, as Jen noted, I'm uh, the inaugural founding uh, past uh, national program director for pain management in the VA. And that role led me to um, be, I guess, recognized for leadership in an important government agency that kind of spawned other intergovernmental agency task force, work groups, et cetera. And I'm very proud to say that, you know, the kind of culmination of that is that I am currently a member of what's called the Interagency Pain Research Coordinating Committee, which is really the government's highest level um, pain uh, committee uh, that really monitors uh, pain management in this country, identifies gaps, particularly related to research, and then tries to uh, spawn initiatives at the government level uh, to address those gaps. And I think really important to our audience um, today is to really acknowledge the strengths of the Department of Veterans Affairs, the Veterans Health Administration, and maybe more broadly public service psychology as leading the way in terms of addressing important scientific and clinical practice gaps in this country in the area of pain management. And that's my, my involvement in trying to address those gaps within the public service arena, I think is what's really reinforced um, others' interest in bringing me to the table and uh, where I can have a voice in addressing really enormous challenges um, in this area for our country. Um, you know, bringing it down to brass tasks, as, as Jen noted, I continue to be a professor at, at Yale and direct a very important tri-government agency uh, pain research collaboratory um, that focuses on non-pharmacologic, building evidence for non-pharmacologic, including psychological approaches to pain management through the um, enactment of uh, literally 11 different, what are called pragmatic clinical trials of these approaches in real world settings. These are important efforts beyond traditional kind of efficacy or even effectiveness research to really study how we can overcome the gap between evidence of the efficacy, effectiveness of these kinds of approaches and their implementation or uptake in routine clinical care. And so that's what I'm really focused on um, now is really um, 
providing leadership for that effort and working within the larger NIH and VA and DOD research communities um, to build this uh, capacity and address these important issues. My goodness, and so many major initiatives. Um, and it's great to hear um, you say how public service psychology is leading the way um, when it comes to you know pain pain management or or um, or um, non you know helping with the non pharmacological you know management of pain and. I'm also really glad to hear about these initiatives to bring more of this training to, you know, educate, um, educating our doctoral students, um, you know, while they're still in, you know, their graduate training programs earlier on, because as we know, this is such a widespread um, issue that many of the people that we're treating face, um, whether it's, you know, we're primarily working on PTSD or primarily working on depression, pain is, pretty prevalent. Um, and so I'm really glad to, to hear about all of these important initiatives. Thank you so much for, for leading the way. Tiffany, I, I want to reflect on that just for a minute. Um, I was uh, privileged to have an article, actually, I think it's called a viewpoint published in uh, JAMA uh, uh, Psychiatry that really called on all mental health professionals to pay more attention to pain, mm. to routinely screen for the presence of pain, to uh, assess it, and to work with patients, regardless of their presenting problem, mm -hmm. to develop an integrated plan for pain care. Why? Because of all the reasons you said. Pain is so highly prevalent, co-prevalent with virtually any kind of mental health or behavioral health issue or concern. Um, and in fact, is known to moderate the effectiveness of our interventions. Um, and by the way, including pharmacologic uh, interventions for disorders such as major depressive disorder, um, certainly substance use disorder and, and others. And so you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. This is one of the most compelling um, reasons why I'm engaged now in these efforts to try to address these important gaps and to build you know, the workforce that really can meet the needs of our citizens. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Well, let's see, let's, um, we could go on and on and talking about that, but I know that's not exactly why we, we asked you here today, but maybe we'll, we'll try to set up another interview with you to talk more because I'm very interested in this topic. Um, but let's talk about your, your presidency in Division 18. And maybe just to give us a little bit of context, tell us what was going on during your, um, during your term, maybe um, in Division 18 or in APA or the country, the world, just to give us a little bit of context. And, um, and especially as it impacted public service psychology. Great. Well, I think my interest, so I became engaged more in VA psychology leadership first through what was formerly called the Association of VA Psychology uh, Chiefs or Chiefs of Psychology. And I was uh, proud to get involved um, and take advantage of training to be a chief of psychology um, and found benefit related to, you know, and really important benefits related to that. 
I took full advantage of other uh, leadership training opportunities in the VA that all kind of reinforced my interest in professional service. By the way, I'm, I guess I'm cued right now to, to actually acknowledge what's really centrally important to me, which is I'm a second generation psychologist and public service psychologist. My father, for whom I bear his name, I'm a junior, um, now deceased, was a World War II veteran and one of the early psychologists, uh, clinical psychologists graduating from the University of Pittsburgh in 1959, just after you know World War II and the emergence of our field of clinical mm -hmm. psychology. Um, and he spent his career as a public service psychologist in West Virginia in the mental health system there providing uh, leadership. So I was kind of groomed for this in a way. Um, I have to say what attracted me then to get involved in Division 18 was the focus, um, especially early in my, in my career, in my formative years on really, I think centrally important issues of our time. Um, and I was, I remember uh, being in meetings with Ellen Scribner, another former president uh, from the criminal justice area who was pioneer, leading efforts around uh, violence in the family, which of course now is, you know, could, is also particularly important around issues of interpersonal partner uh, violence. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, but that was all part of the, the mix then, as well as more broadly violence in our community. And I like to think that we've made headway, but of course, you know, um, even just yesterday was another active shooting situation here, two towns away from where I live in Connecticut, in Branford, Connecticut. Uh, so there's still a lot of work to be done, but it was, the bottom line was it was my, I just became impressed with the um, interest of the, at least the leadership of Division 18 in tackling some of these really fundamentally important um, issues of our time. Um, as I matured in terms of my leadership in Division 18, I think those issues continued to percolate. Some of the issues that were important to me was maybe not surprisingly, um, really drawing attention to the emerging, still emerging uh, field of behavioral medicine, health psychology, and the interface between psychology and health. Um, um, trying to draw attention and increase the capacity of psychologists working in public service settings, particularly the VA probably, in science and scholarship, really, um, you know, and, and being productive members of the academic mission of, the, of the, uh, these organizations. Um, at the same time, I have to say that my term was also um, a time of considerable um, change at the very least in VA and in other um, public service settings, reorganization that was perceived by many psychologists as threatening uh, to their autonomy I lived in an institution, formerly the West Haven VA Medical Center, the Yale affiliated VA facility, where I joined, I came as an intern in 1978. Psychologists were members of the medical staff. It was never an issue. 
Um, we were part of the leadership as chief of psychology. I was one of the members of the medical staff executive committee, but of course that wasn't the case for all psychologists. So in addition to these important, um, uh, you know, um, gaps, I'll say, in terms of, of practice and science, uh, there were also important guild issues at play. Um, and those, those took a lot of my attention. And I think one specific issue that was hot then and continues to be important now um, was the issue of prescriptive authority. Um, so I'm not, uh, you know, I think I'm widely, this is widely known. I've never been a particular advocate for that, even though I, my background is a bioclinical psychologist, duly trained in physiological and clinical psychology, might have lended itself to that. Um, I have to say that was not my particular uh, issue. But having said that, I was certainly aware and worked closely with those who were strong advocates, many of whom I, I continued to interact with. Um, so, you know, the bottom line is there were a number of issues that were at play when I became uh, involved in Division 18 and ultimately accepted a leader or was elected uh, for a leadership role. I think some of the things that I specifically uh, was engaged in as my primary initiatives were of course trying to promote the effectiveness and maybe even the efficiency of the organization, our division. And so I got very involved as, in terms of some priorities around work on our bylaws and kind of the organizational structure of our uh, division. Again, to uh, make sure that there was a voice for everybody um, and um, to, but at the same time to promote a level of efficiency in the organizational structure um, that would allow, hopefully allow us to be more effective in identifying important initiatives and then, and, and then acting uh, on them. Um, so there was a lot on my plate. I don't know that we need to get into more specifics, um, but I'm, I'm gratified to know that the division continues to be focused on addressing both important guild issues and pra important practice issues um, and to be engaged in advocacy on behalf of our clinician members in particular, I would say. But it all ended, while it also has built its capacity and, and focus on education and training, uh, science and scholarship, and frankly, even advocacy. Um, and um, I think that's all, uh, it's very gratifying to me to see that. And um, I think part of my legacy, if you will, um, in trying to bring some of those, um, you know, to keep the focus on, on some of those prizes as well. Well, that's quite a, quite a lot. I appreciate um, kind of hearing about all of the important issues that were going on around the time as far as guild um, concerns, you know, that were threatening some psychologists, I guess, specifically in, in the VA setting, um, prescriptive authority, which remains an ongoing um, issue, but was certainly um, something of um, going on back then as well. And um, interpersonal violence and, and just also this kind of wanting to bring more psychologists into uh, scholarly endeavors or the pursuit of bridging more, you know, science and practice. 
Um, and I, I would have to say that I think your legacy continues as you meant, we were, um, for the, those listening, um, we were speaking with Dr. Kearns just right before we started um, recording this episode about some of the changes to the, to the bylaws and the structure and the formation of committees and, and, um, and making some of the, our members at large positions more uh, concrete, more um, you know, specific, like our communications and education chair and, um, and membership chair. And, and those have, have stayed and I think for the better. So I think you're, you're right, your legacy um, continues. Um, and certainly, um, as you mentioned that um, continuation of um, scholarly and um, through our journal and, um, and also our educational offerings. So we have to credit you for helping to build that foundation for us. Well, it's important to acknowledge it takes a village, right? Um, and, and uh, you know, I've been kind of along for the ride for much of this, but also I am proud of uh, some of my roles as a leader in the organization and more broadly within the you know, influence within the APA. And I think even in the scientific uh, community of psychologists, um, I think it's, um, you know, great testament to our division. Um, you know, it has a long history, by the way. I, I don't know if any of you, our listeners know this, but in fact, the Division of Health Psychology drew from our division, Division 18. An Didn't interesting historical uh, fact. And so, um, you know, it's not that science and practice and education, education, I guess, has always been central. But I, I do feel that when I was elected president of the division, um, it's not that the other people weren't involved in science, but it really was kind of my mantra. Um, and um, I think I'm proud um, that I guess our members recognized the potential uh, value and uh, gave me the opportunity to share my voice around some of these issues. Anyway. Well, well thank you so much Ev, for sharing that. And it sounds like, um, like you, to me, those are some, um, some things to certainly be proud of. Any other? accomplishments that you're proud of during your term? I think that um, it's obvious that I was, you know, part of a, um, a line of leaders uh, that came through, you know, were involved, got engaged in our organization. Um, I have to say, I think, you know, there have been periods of time when it seems like the VA in a way maybe by sheer numbers has kind of dominated uh, uh, some of the, the efforts, of, you know, initiatives of the division, but not in a way that's diminished the importance of all of the diversity of our membership. And I have to say, I am, you know, I identify very strongly as a psychologist and as a public service psychologist. And I am proud to continue um, working on behalf of our community, really in almost anything that I do. And uh, so, you know, I have to say that my roots maybe go back to my father and his, you know, modeling of this kind of work, but it's really through the division that I have to say that I kind of 
this this interest was certainly um, reinforced, um, if not solidified, frankly. Um, and I'm very proud of that. That's yes. Um, well, thank you very much for this opportunity. I have to say it's great to to have a chance to chat with our uh, colleagues and uh, to share my perspectives. Well, just a few more things before we let you go, um, because I'm, I'm kind of just um, at a loss for words after you just made such a really uh, powerful statement there about just how you identify so strongly as a public service psychologist and and continue to support the community in any way, in, in the ways you can. Um, but before we let you go, I am curious what sort of, I guess, lessons or advice you have for others who might be considering or, or like me in leadership roles in Division 18. What sort of- So I do a lot of mentoring of early uh, career professionals and scientists and scholars. And, you know, close to the top of my list is um, encouraging uh, people new to the field to get involved in professional organizations, particularly the APA, but not only the APA. And of course, some find their home in APA. I can name several people that are prominent figures in our community um, who I gave to whom I delivered that message, like Ann Clee, Jack Sy, um, and probably you know several others. Um, so I I think that um, that's probably my most important advice. Mm -hmm. There's just so many benefits for getting involved, personal benefits and professional benefits besides the idea of giving back. Um, uh, to be had uh, through professional service and organizational service. And I think that Division 18 is a great place to put uh, you know, some of your eggs at least. Um, on, the, on the part of giving back, look, I have to say that I certainly feel uh, and sometimes are embarrassed by my privilege as a white man as somebody who grew up with a, you know, in the family of two professionals, my mother was a nurse, uh, my father was a psychologist. You know, I have had all the advantages that one could hope for. Um, so at some level, I had to, you know, I had to accept the, a sense of responsibility to pay, kind of pay it forward, give it back. And I, that's part of my message with young people too. Um, take a look inside yourself and, and really acknowledge the privilege that we as psychologists have um, and um, the important opportunity of, of serving the public, um, potentially through service to our community and leadership roles in an organization like Division 18, but ultimately it's about the people we serve. And whether even even as scientists, right? It's about the knowledge we're generating that can ultimately help benefit our, our society. Um, and so there's a lot that I can say about that. And I and I I love talking with junior, uh, well, graduate students, trainees, 
um, early career professional psychologists in particular, maybe, uh, but not limited to early career psychologists. Um, and these are some of the important messages. There's a lot in it for you, and there's a lot of reasons to think that um, it's important to serve the public. I love that. I love the message of paying it forward and recognizing, you know, our our privileges psychologists and and being in this position to serve the public, um, and just kind of being being mind just very carrying that with us. Be mindful of that. Um, very very profound. I, I'll just say one more thing that comes to mm -hmm. mind, Tiffany. Is you know it's. Um, I guess there's a book, right? Uh, targeting mostly women about leaning in. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I wanna encourage junior uh, or early career psychologists to lean in, to avoid this sense of, of you know, you're not, you know, you're not welcome, uh, you're not part of the club, it's too early, et cetera. I just think that's, you know, made up stuff that uh, doesn't, have in reality. And I think even maybe especially early career uh, psychologists looking for opportunities to get involved in committee work, if not even leadership roles or co-leadership roles uh, within an organization like Division 18 is really important. Um, I've mentioned that I'm involved in Division 38, um, Society for Health Psychology. You know, it, it, as part of my legacy there, we moved in the direction of having co-chairs of virtually every committee and council that include a more senior person and a junior mm. person. Um, so providing actually opportunities and frank incentives for early career professionals to get involved. Um, you know, you don't need that kind of structure to make it happen, but the message to junior uh, folks is lean in, get involved. Um, there's a lot more that you'll get out of it than you give. I love that. I love that message. And I think in Division 18, we've we've made some efforts too in, in similar ways, like as far as um, designating one of our EC or, or a council rep positions as an ECP slate. Um, we're, we're voting on for the first time this year, um, but in uh, having ECP reps in some of our sections as well. So I, um, but I, I love that making that more of a kind of building that into the framework, like you mentioned in the other division of having, you know, co-chairs, a senior and a more junior colleague um, serving in, the, in that role. Certainly serves the division too, because it grooms sure. people for further advancement and leadership. Definitely helps with that pipeline for sure. And just the variety, more perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Okay. Well, um, kind of on that train of thought, one, one last question. What do you see for the future of Division 18? Or what would you like to see in our, you know, kind of going forward, um, Division 18 focus on or initiatives that we take on or? I'm sure this is already a focus, but I have to say that, um, and perhaps, you know, this is a mantra within APA and I'm sure it's a, you know, priority within the division, uh, but issues related to address, you know, uh, um, addressing gaps in terms of diversity, 
and and represent representativeness of the of our community. You know, it, in a way, it goes back to workforce development and building a more diverse community of psychologists, broadly speaking, and then you know looking for ways to break down barriers. Um, potentially related to, you know, however you label them, systemic racism or, you know, all the other institutional barriers that get in the way of women, minorities, people from, uh, that are disadvantaged in, in other ways from, from really getting involved and achieving their true potential and contributions to our society. So I think um, this is really incredibly important. I also kind of related to that, think that it's very important to, to think outside the box as a priority in terms of how do we reach people that really are disadvantaged uh, by virtue of even geography, people that live and work in more rural, disadvantaged, under, under-resourced settings. Um, these are not the kind of people that tend to get involved or have the resources, time, et cetera, um, you know, mentors, models to get involved in organizations like APA or Division 18. And so really working to, to bridge that gap and address these, you know, awful disparities um, and, and social disadvantages, you know, it's, it's um, we all, are living in a time where this is a huge priority in in you know virtually every aspect of our life. Mm-hmm. Let's make it a priority or enhance its or elevate its status as a priority within um, this division. Um, it's, I'm not calling out Division 18 as not doing work on this front. That's not at all what I'm saying. But there's so much more that we need. To do. Absolutely. Um, and so I, I think to me, those are, you know, maybe widely recognized priorities, but putting our actions, our thoughts into action and, and, and really thinking outside the box about how to make, how to draw in people that aren't otherwise included in the conversation um, is really important. And hopefully, um something we've learned this year over the last year has been how to do that since we've had so much virtual um, thing taking place or virtually. I hope that we'll continue, even if we get back to having in-person stuff, that we'll continue to figure out how to be able to fold in the virtual folks who have trouble like getting to convention or getting to meetings Mm -hmm. and things like that. So hopefully that will enable us to do that and to bring those folks in. These are really, um, yeah, these are really great initiatives. Um, and certainly some things I know Jen, Jen and I have talked about and as other members of our executive committee, like how do we reach, especially those psychologists who are working in some of these settings, like you said, who are under-resourced or there's just not a lot of support for them um, and bringing them into the community. So they, they do get those supports um, and, and other you know, benefits of, of being a part of this community. Um, and yes, it's going to take some real thinking outside of the box. And maybe maybe we can tap you and get some of your, maybe some of your ideas. 
Well, I think actually, I'd, I'd encourage you to go in a slightly, excuse me for interrupting, go in a slightly different, it's not me yeah. that you need to talk to. It's reaching out to the people that are living in rural Montana yeah. and, yeah. and uh, you know, rural Texas um, who, yeah. you know, we don't know, right? Um, who aren't engaged. Yeah. They don't have models to, that are encouraging mm -hmm. advisors that are encouraging their involvement and so forth. Um, uh, it's their voices and their ideas that we need to yeah. listen, and, and, uh, listen to. Yeah, definitely. Well, so much to think about. I know um, I only reserved a block of time to, um, to have you with us. And so you've given so many really, um, so many great, I guess, things for me, I'm going to be digesting over the next day or week or, or so here for sure. Um, some, some important things to think about. I guess any, um, any, anything, any final words, anything you wanna say as we wrap up uh, this interview today? Only a, a big hearty thank you um, for your service to the division and uh, to the community we serve as psychologists and um, no, thank you for this specific invitation to speak to our community today. Um, it's, I hope you, my passion for this work has come across and my uh, you know, everlasting commitment um, to this work. And so certainly if there are opportunities uh, where you think I can, can help, um, please don't hesitate to ask. And I guess to those that happen to listen to this, um, if anything about what I had to say intrigues you and you're interested in following up with a conversation, I think of myself as quite generous in terms of my time and, and willingness to share uh, my experiences with others and my perspectives with others. And I'm happy to do that on an individual basis as well. So thank you again. Thank you. Uh, and yes, I'll have to second your generosity. And thank you so much for sharing insights from your, your presidential term and, and leadership in general, and a lot of great things for us to think about um, as we move forward in Division 18. Um, so thank you so much for your time today. Um, and I guess with that, we'll, we'll bring this episode to a close. I want to, of course, um, thank our listeners for tuning in. I hope you gleaned a lot as much as we did um, from this really rich interview. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast series so you don't miss out on new episodes as they become available. All right. Well, take care, everybody. Thanks again, Dr. Kearns. All right. Thank bye you. now. Thank you.